Good morning. Welcome to Live Like Jesus, a podcast where we give lessons and have songs regarding the Word of God. Today our lesson comes from Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6, where the Apostle Paul makes a reference to the concept of the way that we speak. We'll also consider Titus chapter 2 verse 8 and Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 9. Let me read those passages very quickly as we begin our study. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6, let your speech be always with grace seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Titus chapter 2 verse 8, sound speech that cannot be condemned that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 9, for then I will turn to the people a pure language, that they may call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. I plan to approach this lesson from a negative standpoint. That a holy God expects his people to use pure language goes without saying. Too often the cause of Christ is hindered and the name of the church is ruined by the language that those people use those who ought to be better. It is our intention in this lesson to talk about gossip, euphemisms, and improper religious terms. This is a two-part lesson. The word gossip is not found in our English Bibles. The attitude that causes it, a full description of it, its synonyms, and its repercussions are found in our English Bibles. We spoke, we speak often about truth, Standing for and being in favor of truth means being opposed to lies and lying and all forms of deceit. In our modern lackadaisical era, we have become callous to words which one time would have gotten our mouth washed out with soap. This is no doubt due to, in part to the things which we watch and the things we allow in and around us. Too often the lines are blurred with denominational language that makes us look and sound like the churches about us. Let us be on guard concerning these things. We like to use mottos in our everyday life. There's nothing wrong with a motto as long as it expresses holy sentiments. However, as members of the Lord's Church, we have some mottos that we seem to have forgotten. We like the saying of Mr. Campbell so long ago who said, Let us speak where the Bible speaks and be silent where the Bible is silent. Another one, let us call Bible things by Bible names and do Bible things in Bible ways. These and the injunctions from the Holy Spirit leave no capacity for slanderous speech in the language of a Christian, regardless whether it is referring to another person or the Lord's church. But the fact of the matter is that words have meaning, usually one meaning or definition per word. But we can think of several examples where the exact same letter amalgamation and pronunciation means completely different things. Think, take, for instance, the words read and read. Read means to comprehend the meaning of signs or characters otherwise than with the eyes. But read also means to utter aloud or render in speech. Still again, we use words differently, such as fly and fly. Fly is a reference to a person getting aboard a plane to travel through an airplane to travel through the air to a destination of far away. But it can also legitimately mean an insect with wings. 
It's common to use these words in everyday language and understand the meaning by context. We know that when my wife says I killed the fly with the newspaper, she's not referring to a jetliner. So by simple plain language context, we understand that the Philip and the eunuch both went into the water in Acts chapter 8. Words have meanings, just as we've already discussed. Words' meanings sometimes change with time. This is why there exists the science called etymology. Etymology is a chronological account of the birth and development of a particular word or element of a word, often delineating its spread from one language to another and its evolving changes in form and meaning. This science is especially useful in understanding dead languages. To be able to trace the word in question back to its origin and understand the author's original meaning is beneficial. Baptism is a word. Sprinkling is a word. Pouring is a word. All three have very distinct meanings and cannot mean the same thing, either in contemporary or ancient language. Today, we want to consider the idea of gossip. Gossip as a noun refers to idle talk or rumor, especially about personal or private affairs of others. As a verb, it means to talk idly, especially about the affairs of others, or to go about tattling. The idea of gossip has a very negative connotation because it generally refers to the destruction of another person's character. This biblically is called slander or backbiting. The Apostle Paul calls the people involved, who involve themselves in this type of behavior busybodies. Let's consider some scripture. Keep in mind that slander, backbiting, and gossip are synonymous terms, or nearly synonymous with each other, and they refer to an accusation, true or false, malicious, falsely and maliciously uttered, with the express purpose or des designed effect of damaging the reputation of another. Think of some leading men in the Old Testament as prime examples of this type. Through their, though their accusations were true, they were accused with the purpose of destroying their character. One of my personal favorites is the story of Job from Job chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and around his household and around all that he has on every hand? You've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to, his, to your face. Job was falsely accused. Satan gossiped about Job. In Daniel chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, we read the story of the three Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore at that time certain Chaldeans came and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King, to king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. O king, you've made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. These men were justly accused. They do not, did not, worship Nebuchadnezzar or the idol that he created. 
and God used that accusation through great trial to bring about righteousness. They were faithful then. We can be too. There's repeated warnings against mankind practicing evil speaking. Psalm 34 verse 13, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Proverbs 15:28. the heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. Ephesians 4 verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Colossians 3 verses 8 through 9, but now you Yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie one to another, since you've put off the old man with his deeds. James chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge another? Now, this is not speaking of judging righteous judgment. Rather, James is speaking of idle conversation about someone that accomplishes no good whatsoever. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion one for another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted, courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing knowing that you were called to do this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. That's 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8-10. through 10. One might just as well stop at having compassion one for another. True compassion prevents and precludes all such action. This loveless spirit destroys unity of the church as well as our brother's character. Proverbs 16, verse 27 through 30. An ungodly man digs up evil, and it is on his lips like a burning fire. A perverse man sows strife, and a whisperer separates the best of his friends. A violent man entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. He winks his eye to devise perverse things. He purses his lips and brings about evil. Slanderers and backbiters are mentioned in some of Paul's sternest reprimands. For instance, Romans 1, 28-32. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, Inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. In Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, 19-21. Again, do you think that we excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God and Christ, but we do all things, beloved, for your edification. For I fear, lest when I come I shall not find you as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish. Lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults, lest when I come again my God will humble me among you, and I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, fornication, 
and lewdness which they have practiced. Did you catch that? Paul calls backbitings and whisperings, terms that are nearly synonymous for gossip, uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness, and sin. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 through 9. But know this, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was." It is necessary to restrain from slanderous speech, for one to be faithful to the Lord's church. In Psalm chapter 15, verse 1 through 5, the psalmist writes, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle, who may dwell in your holy hill, he who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart, he who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord, and he who swears to his own hurt and does not change, he who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent, he who does these things shall never be moved. Psalm 24, verse 3 and 4. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. 1 Timothy 3, verse 11 through 13. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own household, houses well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Titus chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Mr. W. E. Vine defines Greek, the Greek term, which has been translated as busybodies, as those who are concerned over much with others' business and neglectful of their own. Paul says young widows ought not be taken into the number that is supported by, tre by the treasury, lest, they, lest she become a busybody. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 11 through 13. You'll need to read that on your own time. There is another one other there is one one other element of great concern among us as Christians. This will do as much harm to the church as gossip and slander, and is closely related to that. This action also is indicative of a heart problem. It's something that our American society has had multiple generations of voting and generous and generations of the ideal that the government is in the hands of the people has a major problem dealing with. That's the sin of speaking evil of dignitaries. The word rendered dignities here means properly to honor, or honor, glory, and splendor, that which is fitted to inspire respect and that which is dignified or exalted. It's applied here to men of exalted rank, and the meaning is that they did not regard rank or station 
or office. Thus they violated the plainest rules of propriety and religion. Jude, between whose language and that of Peter in this chapter, there is a remarkable resemblance, has expressed this more fully. He says in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 8, These filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, speak evil of dignitaries, of dignities. It is one of the effects of religion to produce respect for superiors. But when men are self-willed and when they propose to give indulgence to corrupt propensities, it is natural for them to dislike all government. Accordingly, it is by no means an infrequent effect of certain forms of error to lead men to speak disrespectfully of those in authority and to attempt to throw off all restraints of the law. It is a very certain indication that men hold wrong opinions when they show disrespect to those, those in authority and despise the restraints of law. Albert Barnes in his commentary. Many passages deal with such things as this. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust after punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring reviling accusation against them before the Lord. In Jude, verses 8 and 9, Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. In Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Titus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. It's a difficult line to draw and follow. We are not citizens of this country. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. So we are to follow his law. His law is that we be subject to the law of the land whom he installed, so that until and unless the law commands us, not permits us, there's a difference between command and permit, so that until and unless the law commands us to break God's law, we are always to be subject to God's law, and we are to be subject to man's law. And our language is to demonstrate that submission. Any other behavior brings reproach on the name of Christ and his church. David says in Psalm 50, verses 16 through 23, But to the wicked God says, What right have you to declare my statutes, or make take my covenant in your mouth, seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you? When you saw a thief, you consented with him, and have been partaker with adulterers. You give your mouth to evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought that I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Proverbs chapter 10, 
verses 18 through 21. Whoever hides hatred has lying lips. Whoever spreads slander is a fool. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is a choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. That's gossip. Certainly we can understand from all of the admonitions that we've considered this morning today that God is not pleased when we gossip or slander or backbite and destroy our brother's character or destroy the character of those dignitaries to whom we are supposed to submit and show respect. I'd like also to spend some time talking about euphemisms in this lesson today. A euphemism is an inoffensive word or phrase substituted for one that's considered offensive or hurtful. A game of charades or 20 questions involves acting out a part and the audience guessing who or what one is acting like. Similar game is played on a daily basis in the lives of all people. When I leave my home and find myself in the presence of strangers, they usually know nothing of me except by the words that I speak. It's a strange world of language in which skating on thin ice will get you into hot water. But my language as a Christian either commends or condemns me in God's sight. My speech reflects his glory or my shame. And both reflect directly on the church. Remember that Jesus said the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth that which is evil for the abundance of the heart for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Luke chapter 6 verse 45 says, Our speech reflects the light in us. If the speech is evil, then there's no light. It's darkness. So the question before us now is, are slang words or euphemisms wrong? In considering how to answer this question, let us remember the definition of an euphemism. An inoffensive word or phrase uttered, substituted, for one considered offensive or hurtful. I'm not preaching that Christians we should as Christians we should employ politically correct language. Quite the contrary. We can, no, we must call things the way they are. But in everyday language we may use exclamations such as darn, heck, gosh, or the text acronym OMG, and these define what a euphemism is. Let's understand that there's basically two types of speech, pure speech or impure speech. Regarding pure speech, nothing is off limits for the child of God, ever. Wisdom and love should always be used. Usually this is referenced as tact, but God's people are free to say whatever is needed. However, impure speech is never, never acceptable by God's people. Impure speech takes three general forms. Obscene, that speech that's related to sexual conduct and impropriety. Profane, speech that is related to religious speech used improperly in an irreverent manner. Or vulgar, speech that is related to elimination. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but do what is good for necessary good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. The previous is an explicit command to the Christian to not allow impure speech in their vocabulary. Our speech becomes obscene when we talk about 
intimate relations improperly. This does not include parents instructing their children, conversation in the bedroom between husband and wife, or counsel to those who may have been abused. Our speech becomes vulgar when we speak of bathroom talk. The coarse jesting often participated around the table in polite company is not is likely not something the Christian who desires pure speech should involve himself in. Our speech becomes profane when we do three things the Scripture speaks of specifically. When we curse something or someone. Matthew chapter 5 verse 22. Jesus says, But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. When we use God's name in vain, our speech becomes profane. Exodus 20 and verse 7, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This principle is still in effect today. God does not want us to refer to him in a vain or empty way. He is God. He is holy. He deserves our constant and complete respect. To use his name carelessly demonstrates irreverence and often indicates a rebellious heart. James chapter 5 verse 12. James says, But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Matthew 23, verse 16 through 22. Woe to you blind guides who say, Whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind. Which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by him and him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and him who sits on it. Utilizing something that God has made holy and turning it in common turns our speech into profanity. This really applies to obscene speech. God sanctified the marriage bed. Far too many speak of it in a joking or joking or flippant manner. In Ephesians chapter five, verses three through seven, the apostle Paul writes, "But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any." inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. And we should note that all, not all euphemisms are evil. We sometimes use the word fib, and we know that that means lie. Our society is rampant with gay people, and we know that means homosexuals. We know we, this serves also as an example of words that have changed in meaning over the years. We need to be aware and careful not to use nice words that really do mean curse words, such as gosh, garly, geez, heck, dang, and so forth. This should not be part of our vocabulary, ever. Let's close this point on a positive note. God's standard of speech is vastly different than that of the world. 
Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 through 10, the Apostle Paul writes, But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, do not lie one to another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. And we'll conclude with the words of the preacher in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 24 through 27. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead, and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Chapter 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. Chapter 15, verse 28. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. This is Mike Bolton from Live Like Jesus. May God bless you.